Hello, and welcome to the Agape House of Worship weekly podcast. Through this podcast, we hope and pray that you will be equipped and empowered to live the life that God has planned for you. If you are blessed by this message and would like more information, please visit our website at www.agapehousenj.org. Thank you, and God bless. Amen. So, I'm not preaching, don't worry, but we do have pastor that is going to come up and we are doing a Q&A. Have you guys enjoyed the 11-week series, Here Comes the Dreamer? I don't think so. Have you really enjoyed it? The 11-week series, Here Comes the Dreamer, yes. Yes, so we are getting ready to do a Q&A, a question and answer session with Pastor, and he is just going to answer your questions. I know that as, you have, as we have been going through these weeks, you may have had some questions, you jotted down some notes. Now is the time to ask Pastor your questions, okay? We're going to have people calling in. There's a mic that one who just uh, put over there. If you have questions in the house, feel free to ask them. Those of you that are online, Facebook, YouTube, if you have questions, feel free to use the chat box. So just join me as we invite our pastor up on stage. Amen. Have a seat. All right. Good morning, everyone. Welcome, Pastor. All right. How are you? I'm doing good. Wonderful, wonderful. Yes, I'm on the hot seat today. <laughs> All right. So you um, did an 11-week series entitled Here Comes the Dreamer. And it was a powerful series. We can all agree that it was powerful. But, yes, you can clap for that. Yes. One question that I have, Pastor, is we're in a season of pandemic, a season where people have lost their jobs and, and they don't know where the next meal is going to come from, a season where people are, are confused and, and they're worried. And, and here you are bringing us a series about dreams and visions and, and just trying to, trying to make sure that we are aligned with God's uh, will for our life. What was your, t- take us through your thought process of, okay, I want to spend 11 weeks talking to people about dreams and making sure that their life is impacted in this way. Right. First of all, I didn't think it was going to be 11 weeks. Uh, I thought I was maybe six weeks, uh, but somehow as I got into it, it just expanded. But it started because uh, I thought the enemy brought this to kill many people's dreams. I thought pandemic, uh, one of the plan of the enemy was to really let people know Everything is done. 2020 is finished. Uh, It's a season of hopelessness in many ways. Uh, It's a season where many people have put their dream on on a pause, if not permanently stopped. Uh, And I thought the life of Joseph is really a good lesson for us. Because talking about pandemic, I think his life for 13 years was from pandemic to another. Uh, so, and he was able to really skate through and still fulfill his dream. So, he started by just saying, I will just use the life of Joseph uh, to really help people to see that your dream can still be alive, even though you might be in the darkest days of your life. 
Wow, that's powerful. Your dream can still be alive, even though you're in the darkest days of your life. Thank you, Pastor, for sharing that. So, and you know, because many people have said that 2020 is canceled, but that's something that I rebuked over my life, right? And I'm sure, and I pray that this series encouraged you as well, that 2020 is not canceled. There's still things, yes, there are still things that you can accomplish. There are still dreams that are being realized in this season, amen? So, Pastor, had said that we are all Joseph, you know? Why did you feel like we are all Joseph? And, you know, Joseph, one, one way that God spoke to him is through dreams. Like, Joseph actually got, you know, literal dreams. But not everybody, I'm a dreamer as well, but not everybody, um, God is going to speak to them through dreams, you know? So what are some other ways that we can be Joseph? What are other ways that God speaks to us and shares his dreams and visions for our life? Well, I think a lot of times I share this in the message. I mean, we would not all be people who sleep and have dreams, even though we all have dreams one way or the other. But God doesn't necessarily speak to all of us by sleeping and dreaming. But God puts dream in the heart of every one of us. Every one of us, your dream is simply God's dream. And I think that is really what I I try to paint that ultimately, uh, the dream in Joseph is really God's dream. It's God's desire. Joseph just fit into that. Uh, it's a subset of God's dream. So we are all a subset of God's plan. Uh, no matter how you feel about yourself right now, you are a subset of God's plan. And there are so many ways God will put that in your heart. Uh, first, it could just be thought in your heart, your dominant thoughts. That is very, very important. Words spoken to your life. Sometimes God uses other people to speak words into your life. Your experiences in life sometimes can be a pointer to what God, you know, is calling you to do. What are your skills? What are your, you know, special uh, strengths that God has given to you? But ultimately, I think what are the deepest desire of your heart? Everybody should be able to look at what is the deepest desire of you of my heart usually your dream stays with you they are deep they are in there the bible says counsel in the heart of man is like deep waters how you know is that they are deep and a man of understanding will be able to bring it out so you start by the deep the deepest desires of your heart you, you begin to assess your strength, your experiences, you know, what's spoken to you. Uh, they are a big part of how God speaks to you uh, about your dream in life. So, Pastor, you said the deepest desires of our hearts, right? Yeah. Um, so, if the deepest desires of my heart is to sing, but I cannot keep a pitch, is that... Is, is that God's dream for me? Well, that's why you have to match it. Uh, the deepest desires of your heart, you know, coupled with the strength and the gift that God has given to you, uh, usually they all come together, right? Uh, if you look at Joseph, even though Joseph, God spoke to him in a dream, but dream was also his gift, all right? Uh, so his, his, his gift. So then he was obviously is able to untap, interpret other people's gift. So those are the gifts that God has given to him. And obviously, as he, as he, you also see that Joseph had a gift of leadership. Uh, and he demonstrated leadership. He took responsibility everywhere he went. Uh, in Potiphar's house, he, he was a responsible person, somebody that uh, you can commit something into his hands, right? 
And you, you saw that when he's, when he's in the prison, same thing happened. He, he's, a, he's a leader. He's somebody that, you know, even the, the wording can, can put responsibility into his hands. So usually it's a combination of many things. Uh, the deepest desire of your heart couples with your gifting, your strength, the experiences that God has brought, brought to you through in life will point to what God has for you. What is God's dream for you? Amen, amen. Again, if you have any questions in the house, feel free to come up to the mic and we will um, answer your questions. Also, if you're watching us on Facebook, on YouTube, and you have questions, just let us know. Amen. Amen, amen. All right, so one of the things, Pastor, that you had said that just really, really impacted our life Uh, impacted my life personally is that our dreams have eternal significance. And I think the reason why it really spoke to me is because a lot of times we feel like we are too old to do something and okay, maybe this is for the, the next generation, you know? And, but when we start to have an eternal Um, vision of, okay, this dream is bigger than us, then whether you are 30 or 60, you're still going to do what it is that God has called you to do. So how do we, because we live in a a society where they have put age limits on what we can do. Oh, you're too old for this. You're too young for this. You haven't done this yet. What, What have you been doing with your life? Not to know that maybe the time when they are doing it is the exact time that God has wanted them to do it, you know? But because we live in the society that puts age limits on us, we tend to talk ourselves out of our dream. So... How can you encourage those people? How can we change our mindsets for those, especially those that are maybe older in age and they feel like, you know, my dreams, it's, it's for my grandchild now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think of, uh, I think first of all, uh, uh, one of the benefits of being a believer is that you have the word of God. Uh, you have access to the word of God. The Bible says all these things that are written in the Bible or that happen, they happen for our examples, and they are written for our admonitions, upon whom the end of the age uh, comes. So we have the word of God to inspire us, and I think that is amazing. We have the Holy Spirit to point us to the word of God. When you look into the word of God, uh, we read the story of, the, of Abraham, the father of our faith. I mean, we saw that he was an older man by the time God called him. Uh, the promise of God for him to have a child didn't even happen until, you know, he was 100 years old. Yeah. Uh, so you begin to see that the God we serve is not bound, all right? He's not bound by age. He's not bound by time limit. And I think you said something that is very important, that our dream ultimately has eternal significance. It's part of God's bigger dream, right? And I, I play my part. I don't even know how big it's going to be. Joseph's dream is what led to all of us here. <laughs> Joseph's dream is what led to Israel, you know, a old nation being born. And I'm sure he wasn't even thinking about that. He was just thinking about himself. He was going through his own challenges, going through, uh, you know. So, so many of us, we, sh- we don't know our dream really have eternal significance. And your dream does. So you must... It be inspired from that. But even in real life, 
Uh, I've read <clears throat> instances of many people who started their dream at a very unusually older age, for example. Uh, uh, an example I will have is uh, a lady, was it Susan Boyle or something like that? I don't know the correct, the British lady that was on America Got Talent. Uh, yeah. I think she was almost 50 years old. Yeah, yes, I yes. mean, an average age of breakout in music is probably 20. 20s, <laughs> if yeah. you don't break out in your early 20s, it's too late for you. Here you are, this lady was almost 50 years old. Uh, you know, they asked her, what is, you know, why are you here? He said, I want to become a professional singer. And everybody rolled their eyes. They're like, are you kidding me? You're 50 years old and you want to be a professional singer. And we know that the rest is history. And I think God, every once in a while, brings all these things to our life. If you look at the founder of, um, uh, I think, McDonald Ray Kroc. I don't think he really became successful until he was 65 years old. I mean, there are stories of people who at older age, some of them at very unusually young age, uh, the founder of Facebook was, uh, you know, very young, 17 or so when he started. So I think he's all over the map. And as children of God, that should give us an idea that God is not done with you yet. Uh, if you're an older person, uh, if you're a younger person, don't let anybody despise you, all right? Uh, pursue God's dream for your life. Uh, it is a part of a bigger dream. Amen. Yes, amen. Thank you, Pastor. God is not done with you yet. So write that book, start that business, amen. go back to school, whatever it is that you need to do that you've been wondering, oh, I, don't, I don't know, do it. Do it. If it's something that's pressing in your heart, I want you to go out and accomplish it. So we have a question from one of our online viewers, and this is a good one, Pastor. It says, Joseph forgave his brothers, but does forgiving mean forgetting the evil deed? So is forgiving the same as forgetting? Wow, that's a that's Yeah, that's, that's a, we, we need a whole day for that one, Pastor. Well, I mean, forgiving doesn't mean you forget. Yeah. Uh, except God performs a surgery on you and uh, just wipe it out and you are no longer able to remember. But I think the word forgiving simply means uh, you let it go, right? You let the effect of it on your life go. Uh, you let go of bitterness. You let go, you let go of hatred, all right, F uh, to that person, all right? And you release the negative emotion all right, of hurt that has been created by those people into your life. Because as long as those are there, uh, you're going to be in prison to those circumstances. Uh, you're going to be controlled by those people in a very, very negative way. And you are going to be limited ultimately. You see, Joseph must face his brothers uh, for the ultimate, ultimate goal, right, of his dream to be fulfilled. His dream was like these people were going to bow, bow down to him. I mean, that, that's part of the dream. But that was not going to happen until he will face the brother. He will have preferred never to see them in his life. He will have preferred to just live his life in Egypt and never see them again and just move on. Uh, but God says, no, 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 no. You have to come face to face. And I think many of many times that's how God works. It brings us face to face with the events in our life that we must confront and that we must forgive so we can move on. Yeah, you don't forget, but you get to a point when you are no longer controlled. 
by the hurt, uh, by the negative emotion that has been created in you because of those hurts. Wow. Thank you, Pastor. And while we're on the subject of forgiveness, you know, Joseph had to forgive his brothers, but a lot of times the person that we have to forgive is ourselves. right? We have made mistakes in the past, and the mistakes that we have made in the past two, three, five years ago, it's hindering us from really being able to fulfill God's plan for our life. So, Pastor, how sometimes it's, it's more easier to forgive others than to forgive ourselves than to let, because we tend to self-sabotage, you know? So how do we get to that place of, of self-forgiveness? Yeah, well... Uh... I think self-forgiveness is really part of maturity and it's part of really realizing that God is bigger than anything. God is bigger than my mistakes. God is bigger than my error. Uh, There's nothing I will have done in my past that can stop God from still fulfilling his will. Uh, Sometimes we do things in life. We've gone through sometimes divorce. Sometimes people have gone through uh, very negative, you've committed, you've done things that you, you know, you, your life is a disappointment. Usually it comes when people start out life with high hopes, you know, high, you know, idea about themselves. You know, maybe you are Christian, you thought I would never do this, I would never do that. Fast forward many years, you've been, you've done things that you would never have believed you could have done. You find yourself in a situation where you're like, wow, I think I'm such a disappointment. I am never going to be you know, the kind of person that God wants me to be. I think it's the lie of the enemy, so you have to know that's not God. Uh, You all, again, have to go into the scripture and see that many of the people that God used made mistakes in their lives, all right? Many of them made mistakes. Even Abraham, our father of faith, made a major mistake, right, by impregnating somebody. I mean, today, I mean, we will have, probably remove him from being a leader of the church or something like that. I mean, if, if, if somebody is a man of faith, all of a sudden he impregnates his mage, I mean, you're likely going to say, you know, I'm, I'm out. I mean, this is not a, you know, the real person. So, uh, but eventually God was able to restore him, right? And God was able to still fulfill his will. The biggest thing is, what do you do when you realize your mistakes, right? Do you go back to God? Or do you allow your mistakes, it's, it's kind of like forgiveness. Or do you allow your mistakes of the past to control you? Do you say, this is in my past, I'm going to move on. If you do that, you're going to overcome and God's plan for your life will still come to pass. Amen. And pastor, um, mistakes, are they a part of the journey of to our dreams, right? Nobody can really get to their dreams without different things happening along the way. Or what, what do you think about that? Yes. I believe so. In fact, the psalmist says he knows our frame and he remembers we are out of dust. Mm. All right? Wow. And, I, wow. and I, that, that's to me, wow. is powerful. And I think it's Psalm 103. He has not regarded us according to our iniquities. He has not dealt with us according to our sins. For he knows our frame and he remembers we are out of the dust. Uh, I, I mean, they... they God is the one that knows us, and he knows we're going to make mistakes. He knows we're going to, he knows we're frail. He knows we're weak. You know, the only person that was obviously without sin is Jesus, uh, you know, and God knows that we're all going to make mistakes. 
You can look at Joseph and say he made some mistakes. Maybe he shouldn't have been that abrasive by telling his brothers his dreams. I mean, he came, he came, he came off obviously somehow. I'm sure he came off in some very arrogant way that kind of triggered them in a bad way that almost cost him his life. I mean, we will all have things in our life that we can look back and say, you know what? I, I should have done that better. Maybe I should have done that better. But I think God is bigger than your mistakes. Amen. All right? Uh, no matter what mistakes you've made, Amen. God is bigger than that. The most important thing is our heart, right? You know, our, our heart for God. You know, and what we do, again, when we realize we have made mistakes. I'm going to release it to God, and I'm going to leave it up to God to figure out how my dream is still going to come to pass. I hope someone is blessed by that. Amen. I know I am. God is bigger than our mistakes. Amen. Amen. We have a um, question from the house. So, thank you. Welcome, welcome. My question is this. While we are still on the um, matter of forgiveness, and um, for instance, last week you talked about Joseph facing his brother. He thought he has forgiven them and he has moved on. But now that he's forced to face them, then all the bitterness, it was rushed back and he was crying and all that stuff. But during that time, I realized that his brother, actually, they've realized their mistake. Now they're sober. Now, if you're dealing with similar situation in your family, for instance, that you thought, oh, I've moved on, I've forgiven them, like, you know, but now you're forced to face the similar situation again, and the people you're dealing with now, they're still hurting you. Now they're not even sober, they didn't realize that actually they've hurted you. How do you deal with that? That Okay. Thank you. Thank All right, you. So, so how do you deal with forgiveness? Uh, when the people have not realized their mistakes or error and they refuse. Uh, I would say, first of all, forgiveness is, uh, is not an option. All right? Forgiveness is not an option. Uh, what is an option is whether, you know, you, are, you still maintain relationship with those people. All right? Uh, whether there is still something there, whether you can still go back, uh, you know, so, so, so that is sometimes can be an option. If somebody hasn't realized, I mean, they hurt you, they don't care, uh, they still uh, don't want to have anything to do, they don't want to reconcile. Uh, the Bible says, as much as he lies with you, right, make peace with all men, all right? That is from your part. So I think what you would do in that sense is, Definitely forgive because unforgiveness, we, we bind you, right? We keep you bound. We mess up your feelings, your emotion, you know. Just focus on your own life. Focus on what God is doing, right? Continue on your way of life, all right? And, and move on. Uh, now, if God says there's still going to be a, a relationship, right? There's going to be something. God is going to work that out. Uh, I think Joseph also, uh, God worked that out, all right? It was, it was just at an appropriate time that the brother came, right? At that point, they had no choice. I don't even think they had any choice at that point, right? I mean, are they going to start fighting uh, Joseph? Are they going to start saying, oh, yeah, this? they knew they needed him at that point. So, it was, so sometimes when God works this out, especially restoration, right, of relationship, 
God is the one that walks them out. But I think the part of forgiveness is the part we have to, right, uh, you know, take ownership uh, and say, this is my responsibility to forgive, and I'm going to move on with my life. Yes. And because, you know, Pastor, some of us are so quick to cut people off. As soon as they've done something wrong to us, it's like, okay, I don't see you anymore. But reconciliation is still possible. Relationships, bringing, um, bringing relationships back together, it's still possible, you know? So don't be quick to cut people off because they've done you wrong, amen? All right, so the next question that we have, it says, has God created each of us with a talent to serve him? Pastor, has God created each of us with a talent to serve him? Oh, yes. That's uh, absolutely uh, uh, no question about that. Every one of us has a gift, has a talent. Uh, God has given each one of us according to the measure of his grace. If you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7, verse 1 through 7 talks about that. God has given each one of us, right? Uh, We are all his workmanship, right? Created in Christ Jesus unto good works. That is Ephesians 2.10. So all of us has been given. Now it's different. We all must just find it out. Now to serve him is another definition. Uh, some, you know, some of us, our job will be to serve him in church. I think we should all serve in church uh, one way or the other. We should all help out. Uh, but many of us also have roles to serve him outside of church. All right? I mean, so serving... Uh, I think sometimes we limit the whole understanding of service to just doing something in church. Uh, Service goes beyond church. You know, God is not limited. And I think scripture is very clear about that. Uh, So many people got used in in government, in politics, in business, you you know, in every area of our lives. You know, I think we should all see all those things, right? as a service to God, and just embrace the talent that God has given to us. Uh, Absolutely. God has created in each one of us a talent to serve. Amen. So, Pastor, while you were talking about, um, you know, God, that we should use our talents everywhere, not just in church, one of the things that Pastor had brought up in his series is... um, that, you know, we should bring God with us also into the marketplace, right? Also into our businesses, corporate America, wherever you may be serving outside of church. Um, so, Pastor, if my if I'm in a conversation with my um, boss, right, and I just feel led to just start speaking in tongues, like I just feel just the power of God just over me, it is... Is that me bringing God into that place? Am I going to get fired? I, I don't know. Most likely. I just, most likely. <laughs> or maybe they will check you into a mental institution. <laughs> <laughs> I think the Bible is clear about use of tongues. First uh, Corinthians 14 deals with that. And one of the things he talks about is to avoid using it in public places. Uh, so obviously, if you start doing that, then you are definitely you know, just breaking the rules somewhere, Uh, you know. So, obviously, I think one of the things I said is we must, and this is something we must all really learn, figure out how do we translate God into our environment. Uh, I think at the beginning of the pandemic in our family, we we did a Bible study about Esther. And that's a very fascinating story, how 
I think it would take us to be so in tune, to be so flexible, to really be able to have an Esther in our days without many of us having problem with that, right? We're all going to have problem. I mean, yet, you see Esther, uh, you know, more or less in a pageant, um, right? Uh, where when we see her in the outward, somebody looking at Esther will look at, how come a Christian lady is participating in a project? That's, but you take a peep into her life. She's deeply spiritual. I mean, fasting and prayer, you know, hearing God, has a mentor who is very spiritual that is guiding her. It is so possible that there are people in those places, Hollywood, and there are, I actually know there are, that are deeply spiritual, sometimes much more spiritual than those of us who are in church. You know, uh, the only thing is they are able to translate God into that environment. And I think we all need to really ask God, especially those of us that God has called. And I think all of us have a role outside of church. I don't believe God just says we all should just serve him in church and we go outside of church and there's no role. I don't think that's never got part of God's plan. God must be taken into everywhere we go in our businesses. Now, how we talk there will be different, right? How we engage people will be different. I mean, how we use the testimony of our life. Uh, people, for example, I've, I worked for many years. Uh, I will pray for people at work. I mean, I will walk them to a place of trust where I will, you know, they will start opening up for me. I mean, it's so easy for people to really open up and tell you what they are going through. And you're going to say, you know what, do you mind if I can pray for you? You know, or they will start saying that, you know what, you seem to be so wise. You know, can I share some things with you? Can you give me some wisdom? And that's an open door that we can begin to influence. I believe that there's a lot of role for us if we are very intentional and we are, we are surrendered to the Holy Spirit. We can make a huge difference in the marketplace. And I pray we will do so in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. So don't go start in deliverance service during your lunch hour. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But you know, Pastor, it's very important to understand how to bring God into your area of work. Um, just really quickly, those most of you know that I'm a teacher. And um, one of my students, this is probably three or four years ago by now, one of my students was very clearly possessed. And um, it was to the point where in one of our classrooms, he had walked up to me and he said, I know you see me. And it wasn't the child that was talking, you get? Wow. I know you see me. And I was like, oh, God, do I start busting out anointing on? Like, what, what do I do? And God just told me, you know, every morning before you go to work, just walk around your classroom and just pray. Just walk around your classroom and just pray. You don't need to be slapping the child with anointing or you don't need to be calling for deliverance. But And then when I did that every single morning, something shifted in that child. Wow. And that was just my own way of bringing God into my place of work. It didn't have to be an obvious thing, you know? And I think a lot of times we feel like the Holy Spirit, Jesus has to be like, oh, if we're not falling, if we're not slain, if we're not rolling on the floor, then God is not there. So I just want to say that to encourage you that it does not, it, you, you could do it in the silence. You could do it in the stillness. And, and God will still move in your place of work, in your business, wherever you are. Amen? Amen. Amen. Um, so we have a question. 
Yes. One of the most impacting messages for me was the message on balance. Yes. Some things you learn from God and other things you learn from Jethro. Yes. How do you as a minister find the balance between your ministry and your family? That's a good question. Finding balance between your ministry and your family. Wow. I think we all need some lessons on that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think balance doesn't necessarily mean we do a little in everything. Sometimes we misinterpret balance to be, uh, in order to be fulfilled here, all right, I have to withdraw here. And people really see balance that way. And when you see balance that way, you're just, you're going to be frustrated. Because you're not going to be fulfilling any of them. You're always going to be feeling bad about your kids. You're going to be feeling bad about serving God. You're going to be feeling bad at work that you're not giving enough. I think balance, first of all, has to do with season. Yes. Uh, I believe it has to do with a season of life. And season has to do with sensitivity to God. All right? Uh, you have to really sense uh, what is at the top for this season. You know, then you really now have to trust God, all right, for that aspect you cannot give fully, all right? So there will be time. So season, sensitivity to God. Then number two part is understanding yourself. You see, understanding your strength. I mean, some of us, you know, we are multiple talent people. I mean, we have high capacity, I will call it. You know, like God, Jesus talked about in Matthew 25, he talks about uh, the person with two talents, the person with five, the person with uh, one. That's a measure of strength. Some people have that strength to be able to do five things, and they are able to do them well at the same time. Some people have time to be able to do two things. So you need to know yourself. So a lot of it is self-awareness. So you know who you are, all right? You know your limit. You know what you can do part-time. But you also know your season in life. All right? You know your season in life. And you know, you know, what is priority right now in my season of life. Uh, so, if, you know, you have young children and God is calling you. I mean, some people have seen, like my wife, she had young children. She was very, very committed in church, you know. I mean, some other things she withdraw a little bit, but she could undo so. I mean, she was just incredible. I mean, I, you know, sometimes I, I'm like, how did you do it? She was able to do all these things with three kids, with everything. Of course, we got some help, uh, in, you know, obviously childcare and stuff, but she was able to do that. Some women may not. Uh, if you try to be like that person, you're going to see that you're having an emotional problem. You might, you know, you might, you might get yourself in trouble. So know your strength, right? Know your season, right? And communicate very well with everybody around you. All right, because in communicating, you are able to get help. All right, you are able to get support that you need so you can really live a fulfilled life. And that is very, very important. And once you know the season, there was a time, for example, for like five years, I could be, I, I barely saw my kids. I mean, it was a season of life I was in, building the church, and I was working. I mean, I was working in New York. I had to leave the house before 6 a.m. every day. I had to drive to the Bronx, uh, and I have to return to church, to the office. By the time I got home, they were almost sleeping. I did that, but I knew that was the season. I knew I had to give that much. Uh, thankfully, I had a supportive wife that was able to, you know, help in that, you know, in that moment. 
you know, so that we're able to get through that. And I trusted God that, you know, you call me this. I wasn't, you know, you call me, you give me this. And, you know, my kids are going to be fine. Thankfully, they are fine. And the season mode where I had more time for them. You know, God changed that season where, you know, I now spend more time with them. I had more flexibility to take them around. So I think a lot of that is sensitivity to the season, assessing your strength, and communicating to people in your life. And you're going to find balance that way. Yes. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you. All right, so we have a um, video call-in. I believe David, one of our youth, is going to um, call in and ask you a question, Pastor. You ready? You know the youth always have good questions. All right. David, go ahead. All right. Is David on? Hi, David. Hello. All right, what's your question, sweetie? Hi, David. How are you? I'm good, Pastor. All right. My question is, does a believer... Does a believer's purpose have to be related to their dreams? Or in other words, can a believer be called to do something they have never dreamed of? All right. I, uh, did you mean like physical dream, like sleeping and having a dream? I'm trying to clarify. Yeah. It can be dreams, things they usually like to do. Does their purpose have to to those things? Yeah, okay. The purpose of your dream is really to align you with your purpose. That's the the reason God gives dream, right? It's really to align you with God's purpose for your life. God God puts some deep desires in you. God reveals some. Sometimes God reveals them to you, uh, you know, by you hear him. Sometimes you find yourself drawn to certain things. That's sometimes how you know. You find yourself drawn to, uh, you know, certain things, certain people. Uh, you know, you've got to put desires in your heart. God put passion in your heart. Sometimes you, your dream comes to you through your pain in life. You know, you go through things in life, and somehow you switch to something you want to really solve. Now, so God's way, he, God's goal the reason why he gives you those dreams is to align you with his purpose for your life. Now, the Bible says uh, God does exceedingly abundantly, right, above all that we ask him or can even imagine. A lot of times when we really cooperate with God, God exceeds our dream, right? God exceeds your dream. That is, oh, you are thinking, you know, I'm just going to write this book to bless kids in my church, and um, you are faithful, you did it well. God can say, oh, no, 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 it's bigger than that. I want this book to bless the whole world. And something happened that will take it to the whole world. So the whole issue is being faithful to the dream that God has given to you. I hope uh, you are blessed by that, David. Yes, Pastor, thank you. All right. God bless. Thank you. Good job. Good job. I'm glad you are not on your bed. At least you're sitting down. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Pastor, just um, in line with that, um, is our dream or should our dream be aligned with our career? Because I know that there are some people who um, maybe their dream is to be an actor, but they're in med school because mom and dad told me I have to go to med school. So, um, 
where, where is the balance in that? Is our dream supposed to be our career? And if not, how, how, how do we do that? All right. You see, God is, uh, I think God's ways are past finding out. That's actually what the scripture says. I think almost all the time, God, your career will either directly or sometimes indirectly align with your dream. Uh, God is just bigger that way. I mean, God is just big. Uh, we just have to really learn to walk with him and allow him to, to really have his way. There are times, sometimes God gives you a career. Uh, I, I, I went on a mission trip. Uh, I was in Brazil, and I met a guy who was uh, a businessman. Uh, two times now I've met two people like that. Who was a businessman that, um, but really, uh, his dream is mission. All right? But his business is to sponsor his mission. Did you get that? I mean, so uh, two years ago also, or three, two, two years ago, I met another person who actually owns a construction company. Uh, you know, he actually passed away recently, I found out. Uh, but he's, he traveled a lot. He traveled speaking because that's his dream. His dream is to be able to preach the gospel. But he owned a, a multi-million dollar construction company. So because of that, he's able to just travel, all right? He's able to pay for his trips. So there are people like that that, you know, somehow their dream maybe is able to support, I mean, their business is able to support. So in that way, they are still connected, even though he wasn't necessarily going there to do construction. But there are people that their dream is more directly linked, all right? Uh, you know, your, you know, your, you know, your, 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 your dream is to be a musician, then you study music, or your dream is to be a, a doctor and to use being a doctor to do something, right? And then you're in medicine. So there are people who, you know, their dream is so it's always connected. And a lot of times, our career, they are much bigger than we think, all right? Because career is really is something you bring some tools to do. I studied engineering, all right? I studied engineering. I did mechanical engineering. I did my master's in engineering, and I'm a pastor. Somebody said, what is the connection between the two? There is a lot of connection. There is. In fact, as I thought about it, I see that being an engineer has really given me certain way of thinking. There's an engineering way of thinking in terms of solving problems. We are very analytical. Uh, I also worked in construction. Interestingly, Jesus also worked in construction, all right? <laughs> all right? Jesus uh, was a carpenter. Carpenters mm. were builders. So when Jesus said, I will build my church, he was actually using an engineering word. Uh, Do you see was... that connection? Okay, yeah. Pastor. <laughs> yeah, he was using an engineering word that I will construct my church. Uh, and the gate of hell will not prevail. So what I'm saying is, there's a, there's sometimes there are right connection that is not just as direct, but there also, is also profound and is also very, very, very relevant. So I think we just have to think a little deeper and see that there is a lot of connection between a lot. In fact, by the way, professions are merging now. <laughs> Gone are the days when it's just, uh, you know, doctor, lawyer, accountant, and IT. I mean, it's all, it's all marginal. I mean, it's, in 10 years, 
I mean, we might not even be talking about many of those things as much as we are now in 20 years. So I think, uh, and I think that's part of God's plan. Okay. Thank you. Pastor, can we um, talk to the parents? Because, um, so, my dad wanted me to be a doctor. Uh-oh. My mom wanted me to be a lawyer. And um, I studied music, right? So, totally not so, on so track. You're one of those. I'm, I'm one of them. <laughs> one you... of those stubborn kids. <laughs> Honestly, so I actually did, you know, go to school on the pre-med track. And then um, I just went home one day shaken. And I was like, Dad, I think I want to study music. And um, my mom, you know, just walked away. Yeah, because I don't know what she would have done. <laughs> but my dad was like, okay, show me that you can do this. You know, so I think in my life, and, and I've seen that it's important to have parents that encourage your dream. And some of us, you know, I believe that, you know, my mom was a little scared because, like, how are you going to provide for yourself? Study? Like, what, what is music going to put on the table? But it's putting things on the table, amen? <laughs> All right. Um, but how can we encourage those parents who, you know, they're, they're not so sure about their, their child's dreams. Wow. Yes, children, I'm here on behalf of you because right. I was that child. <laughs> you want to get me in trouble now? <laughs> I, was, uh, I was listening to a comedian, right? There's a Nigerian comedian who is British. Uh, very, very funny lady. I've forgotten her name now. So she, she, she was talking about her growing up. She's a comedian, but she studied engineering. And she said she studied engineering because, uh, you know, that was what was allotted to her by the parent. Uh, because the parent said, in this house, there's going to be a lawyer, a doctor, and an yeah. engineer. And uh, <laughs> then she was, uh, she was struggling with biology, and she went to the parent, I'm struggling with biology. And the mom said, okay, you move to the engineer, and you are good, okay, you move to the doctor. And the parents said there are only four things you can be in this family. You can be a lawyer, a doctor, an engineer, or a disgrace to the family. <laughs> so you pick one. So sometimes we parents can be like that. Uh, but I think the job of parents is really to guide the children to live their life to the fullest. There are times when children want to dumb down their life, all right? So there are times when yeah, the children want to go to the path of least resistance. There are times. And I think parents have an obligation to really encourage, to inspire, and to raise the bar for their children. I can tell I study engineering because my dad inspired me to study engineering. He didn't force me. But I think he was able to see that I had strength. I was good with science. I was good in math. Uh, but the way he did it was very, 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 very magic, magical. He drove me, he put me in a car one day, and he drove me to the school I went to, which is Obafemiolo University in Nigeria, a very beautiful campus. He, he put me in a car, and he drove me there. Now, the school is spectacularly beautiful. Uh, as in terms of, I mean, the road to the school is manicured. I mean, the, the flower, the everything. Then the building you see first, it takes your breath away. So he, I was, so I was in high school, 
He put me in the car. We drove there. As we were driving this road, and he said, this is the school I want you to come to. All right? And he said, I want you to, this is, I want you to study engineering. You can do it. And that inspired me. Oh, that's the only school I applied to. I did not even apply to any other school. All right? Because I was inspired that way. I think parents can use the power of inspiration to really get the kid to be their best. All right? And sometimes there are kids who resist that. And I think sometimes it's a question of the style uh, that the parents use. Sometimes it's also a question of trust, you know, where the children don't necessarily trust the motive of the parent because you just think, you know what, you, you just want me to do this for you. All right? <laughs> just, you know, so sometimes I think the parents have to work on uh, the children knowing that you are helping them to really be their best. All right? Uh, and you are also assessing their strengths, their weaknesses. I mean, so I, de- I do that with my kids all the time, to, you know, to, to help them figure out what they want to be. Uh, obviously, they, you know, their strengths. But once you realize an area of interest to what, let them go to the best in that area. I think that's really the obligation of parents not to force them to do any career, not to threaten them to say, oh, if you don't do this, you're not my child. If you don't do this, you are a disgrace. You are a disappointment. Sometimes parents do that. Uh, you're going to end up ruining your relationship with your, your children. And you might actually raise a child that is even not good at what you have forced them to do. I know some kids. I actually know a, a person right now who studied, went to Columbia Law School. But that's because I was the parent wanted her to do. And after all that, Columbia Law School is one of the top law schools. And she said, you know what? I have really, in fact, she actually got into, she became frustrated after she finished law school. I mean, became extremely frustrated. Tried to work, could not work as a lawyer. Could not see herself as a lawyer. Now, this is an extremely brilliant kid. She went back and applied to Princeton to study anthropology, PhD. She's almost done with her PhD now. She, you see, look, look at that. I mean, so, 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 so sometimes parents can really do a lot of damage by the approach. So parents, on your knees, you pray for your children. You inspire them. You help them find their best, right? And, you know, you lead them in that direction. Children, you need to learn to trust your parent a little bit. Yes, yes. You need to learn that sometimes they know you more than you know you. They know you are trying to be lazy. That's true. <laughs> they know. That's true. <laughs> sometimes they know. They know you're just trying to go through college and just do something just to. They know that you're not. So they are trying to. And they know like life is not kind to people who don't give you their best. And they hate to see you struggling in life. So sometimes when they do it too much, uh, give them some break. It's because they really care for you and love you. So I think we both have to meet somewhere halfway. Good. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor. Um, so we have another video caller. I believe Dr. Genevieve Uh is on the line. Uh Uh-oh. Dr. Genevieve. 
How are you? Good morning. I thought you already I'm leaving great. your dream. What question do you have? <laughs> uh, Pastor, thank you so much for this series. Um, I've been blessed by it incredibly. So my question is regarding forgiveness. Ephesians 4.26 says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. But you talked about how Joseph um, was not able to get to the place of forgiving right away because he did not reveal himself to his siblings right away. So could you talk a little bit about timing? Okay. As you walk that journey of healing through forgiveness. Okay. All right. I think um, I think what Joseph was dealing with was, uh, I'm sure in his mind he thought he has moved on. Because if you really look at Joseph's life, he didn't spend much of his life whining and complaining about his brothers. I mean, I think he was, for the most part, I give him a lot of credit because he was able to move on. He was able to make peace with his situation, Right. And he was able to really try to be nice to other people. And the reason why, how you know somebody who is forgiving is that they, you see them in how they treat other people. So you see a man that was really not necessarily bitter. Not, he wasn't a bitter man. He wasn't somebody that was hostile to other people. I think he was someone that was able to really figure out how to deal with this. But sometimes God is looking for more. You know, God really wants healing and reconciliation for the entire family. All right? And sometimes that involves us giving a little more, you know, than, you know, we want to give. And I think that is what Joseph had to deal with. God wanted Joseph to really be able to bless his brothers, you know. To be the instrument to really help them, right? And to do it. And that is difficult, obviously, for him. I think he struggled quite a bit. Uh, As you can see from the beginning, he was hostile to them. Uh, He thought he's moved on. But God said, you have not really, you have not totally healed. And I think God brought him to it. So sometimes the healing is a process. I believe forgiveness is a decision uh, which we can decide. At any point when we realize it, I also believe forgiveness is divine. It takes the help of the Holy Spirit, all right, for us to get to a place where we just let go. What was done to Joseph is extreme. It's completely extreme, right? Extreme to the nth degree, right? But I think he was able to still reconcile and move. So I believe that it takes a process. It takes the help of the Holy Spirit. And it takes us being able to let go. Sometimes a lot of tears will get will be involved in order for us to be totally free. But we will do that when we keep our eye on the price. The price ultimately is that God's dream will be fulfilled. Amen and amen. Amen, amen. Thank you, Pastor. So we have another uh, question from our online viewers. It says, Joseph remembered his dreams and they came to pass. But what about people that don't remember their dreams? How do they come to pass? Uh, it's not your dream if you don't remember it. 
Okay. Yeah. So I have a feeling the person is thinking about when we sleep, we dream, we don't remember. Uh, so that is, most of us, that, that is not how we're going to know our dream. We're not, most of us will not know our dream. It's not, it's not by having physical dream that we're going to know our dream. Uh, we dream every day, I think, uh, scientifically, right? We just don't remember them, all right? But when, you know, so that, that's not the key. Your dream is really God's plan for you, all right? That he reveals to you through many means. God has different ways of revealing it to you. Primarily through the desire of our heart, all right? Primarily is confirmed through many other ways, right? Uh, you know, it could be dreams, it could be visions, it could be somebody giving you a word, it could be you hear a voice, it could be through, through the scriptures. Uh, you know, it doesn't have to be something that happened by uh, encounter that is supernatural. Sometimes it's over time that you just see yourself, you know, getting drawn and narrowed to certain interests and desires in life, all right? So, so that's generally your dream. Your dream will be in you. It will be very deep in you, right? You will always, if you don't pursue it, it will always haunt you. You always have to suppress it. That is how powerful dream is, whatever desire God puts in your heart. Amen. Pastor, you had said something that um, was very interesting. You said that being born again guarantees eternal life but not success in this life. And um, I was just like, oh, my goodness, like pastors come into all the people that just like to pray, 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 and they don't do. So how, how do we find the balance between, okay, we need to pray for this, but then we also need to work it out as well? Okay. Well, the scripture says my people are destroyed because of lack of knowledge. So you can be God's people and still be destroyed, right, if you lack knowledge. That's just what that tells me right there, that it doesn't, being born again obviously guarantees you eternal life, you are forgiven, uh, and you are guaranteed a place in heaven, all right? Uh, succeeding in life requires following God's principles. There is the person of Jesus Christ, and there is the principles of Jesus Christ. Uh, those two are different, all right? Both those of us who are born again, we have accepted the person of Jesus Christ, right? Sometimes we may not necessarily live by his principles. There are a lot of people who are not born again, right? They have rejected the person of Jesus Christ, but they have lived by his principles, his principles of success, right? His principles of relationship, his principles of prosperity, right? That's why Jesus said uh, the children of this world are wiser in their generation sometimes when it comes to management of money than the children of light. The problem is children of light always feel entitled to God's blessing. Why not embracing his principles? It's like the Israelite. You see, they brought, uh, they brought somebody to Jesus. I can't remember. I think it was the centurion. They said, we want you to pray for him. And they said, oh, he said, because he's been good to us, he's even built us a temple. Uh, they, you know, so they were entitled to Jesus because Jesus was Jewish, right? They said, can you pray for, I think he wants his child healed, right? And they said, we want you to answer him. 
you know, and Jesus obviously began to talk to the centurion. And the centurion said, you know, you don't need to go to my house. Just pray. I'm a man of authority. I, sp- I speak to this person. Just speak a word and my son will be ill. And Jesus said, wow, I have not even found faith even in Israel. So that guy, he wasn't a saved person, quote unquote, but he understand the principle of authority and faith that these people did not understand. Children of God, if we are going to really be successful, we must embrace God's principles. One thing about his principles is they are are workable by a lot of people. His principle of hard work, his principle of money management, his principles of building relationships, his principle of being wise, you know, principles of having vision, right? Having vision, being able to work on our vision, work on our dreams, work on our goals, being able to work on our leadership skills. All those things are his principles that we can pray all we want, we can do all we want if we keep ignoring this principle we are ignoring knowledge right and god god must be sad when he says my people are destroyed because of lack of knowledge and he said because you have rejected knowledge so that's why i'm very passionate about knowledge about wisdom you know because we already have access to him right and we have access to his wisdom we have his word right we have access to hear it a lot of times. We just don't pay too much attention somehow because we are like Israelite. We just feel entitled to Jesus while really rejecting his principles. Uh, you know, I pray that, uh, you know, we would take this to heart in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Thank you, Pastor. Yeah, you can clap. <laughs> so we have um, Cassandra on the line, Yes. Cassandra has a question for Pastor. Hey, Cassandra, how are you? Hey, Cassandra. Hey, Pastor. Good morning, and God bless you so much for this um, wonderful series. This has really blessed me. So my question this morning is, what are some practical ways or steps to break free from fear, like fear of success, fear of the unknown, fear of failure, fear of the future, um, et cetera? And what are some ways to keep yourself from sabotaging God's dream for you? Wow. You know, uh, before I say this, I, I, I will say this, just an announcement. I believe God really want me to do something with this series, uh, which is really to, to start a coaching uh, thing. And if I gave me a word to call it Dream University. All right? You know. And uh, the goal is to be able to have people register. And I will take them through a coaching over a period of time, uh, maybe 20 people at a time or 10, depending on when I work it out. Uh, so the goal is obviously help people to really uh, identify their dream and give them tools, you know, work to be able to walk through this and be able to get to, to realization of it. It will be like a one-year coaching. Uh, you're going to register for it and you're going to pay for it if you want to do it, all right? Uh, so going back to your question, uh, so you have to remind me of the question. Now I lost my train of thought. Uh, clearly, you, you, she you. she asked about how do we get over the fear of success or the fear of failure, things okay. like that. Yeah, fear is a big thing. Uh, fear is one of the uh, most powerful tools that the enemy uses to stop us from starting. You know, fear stops from starting. Uh, 
and you find that in life, most of the things we fear never really come to pass. We fear things simply before we start. When we get into it, we always were able to. So I think the technique is, number one, how do I face and confront my fear? All right? Because usually people overcome the fear once they start. Most of us are fearful when you hear words like exercise. (laughs) You hear words like eat right. Pastor, why are you talking about me? (laughs) (laughs) You know, when you hear something, there's a fear that comes, we're overwhelmed, we just never start. But if you ask people who are doing it, they're enjoying it. I mean, because they've overcome the fear. So the best way is, number one, to confront your fear is to figure out the technique to start, you know, to take step. And the more you step out, the more you're going to be able to overcome those things you fear. The enemy knows uh, a lot of the things we fear most. (laughs) We need to go through those things to our destiny. And that's why he specifically, you know, introduces fear. And that's why the Bible says God has not given us the spirit of fear. Anytime there is fear, is not God, right? He has given us the spirit of power, you know, the spirit of, uh, of love and a sound mind that God has given to us. Another way to overcome fear is by knowledge. I used to, re- I used to fear turbulence a lot, you know, like pl- pl- flying. I mean, turbulence used to really, uh, you know, just mess me up. I mean, just, I mean, you're just in the air and the thing is moving. I used to really, really, then I studied about turbulence. And I realized that turbulence, turbulence does not really, there's hardly a plane crash caused by turbulence. Plane crash is never caused by turbulence. It's just going to do like this after a while it's going to go. If there's a crash, it's caused by other things. So understanding how turbulence, what, what causes turbulence, all those things lessen my fear. So now I'm in a plane, there's turbulence. I am not as fearful as I used to. So sometimes knowledge is really powerful. Most of the things we fear is because we don't know enough. And that's why the Bible says he has given us a sound mind. Sound mind allows us to be able to, you know, defeat fear. All right? Uh, so... I think uh, those are things we need to really work on to really defeat fear. All right? It's a, it's a long message, but I, hopefully I answered that question. All right? Okay. Fear is another 11-part series, yeah? <laughs> so um, as we get ready to round up, Pastor, I want you to talk. First of all, have you been blessed by... All right. Oh, we have, we have one more. Okay. Yes. All right, Alex. Alex. Um, so I just wanted to ask, like, because um, you were talking about, like, how forgiveness and forgetting or something. Like can you speak louder? I can oh, barely hear you. Uh, before you were talking about how, um, about forgiveness and forgetting. And so I was thinking that, um, does, is, for, is forgiveness, like, when forgiving, do you need to, like, forget to truly forgive somebody for something? Do you need to forget it? Do you need to forget what happened? Do you need to, like, not, like, forget what happened, but, like, yeah, yeah kind of like that. Yeah. Well, the, 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 the forgive and forget is really, it's not a Bible word, all right? 
It's people that just make that up. Oh, I can forgive, but I will never forget, uh, which is a way of saying I, will, I, I won't forgive. <laughs> Clearly, that's, that's a way of saying, <laughs> you know. But I think uh, because forgetting is really not the issue. Uh, I mean, you always remember, uh, you know, that somebody did something, somebody stole something, somebody abused you, somebody did something. But I think the key thing is they don't affect you anymore, all right? It no longer holds you bound. Unforgiveness, you know, means you still allow that thing to hold you bound, you know, hold your feelings, your emotions, sometimes your life bound, controls you, right? We have, some of us have events from 20 years ago that still controls you more than they should. They control your relationship, they affect you because you have not been able to deal with, well, you're not been able to deal with them through forgiveness. Because without forgiveness, there won't be healing, all right? Because all you, what you need is healing. Uh, so I think, so the whole goal is whether you are free from the effect of that thing, Alex, all right? You will remember it, and it will just not be something that will really bother you or affect you anymore. I think that's the goal. Pastor, right. it sounds to me that you need to do a series on forgiveness. That's yeah, a, it looks a hot like topic. A, yeah, it looks like everyone that's wants a, to know. Yeah. So as we round up, Pastor, I just want you to speak to the individual that says, um, okay, Pastor, I hear you. You did 11 weeks of dreams and how I can accomplish my dreams, but I, I have bills to pay. I have young kids that I need to take care of. Like, I'm living in real life. I want you to encourage that person as we round up. All right. You see, your dream uh, is bigger than those things. Your dream is the reason God puts you here. All right? It is very important to know that. Whatever dream that God has given to you, all right, must be the most important thing in your life. All right? And you must make sure what you're doing on a day-to-day basis fit into that, all right? You must find a way to connect it. Some of them, God will connect anyway, uh, but a lot of them you have to connect because you get to choose your habit, right? You get to choose your habit. You get to choose how you spend your time, how you spend your, you get to choose the books you read, right? You get to choose the skills you learn, right? I mean, you get to choose. There's so many things in life that is in our power to choose, all right? There are so many things. There are some things we can't choose. You know, you know, they are just there. You know, you can't choose who you are. You can't choose. There are so many things. You know, I always joke and say, you know, if all of us have to choose the family we are born from, we probably won't choose the family we are now. All right? Or your siblings. There are some things you can't choose. You live with that. Uh, there are things you can choose. You make sure you choose them in the light of your dream. What happened a lot of time is, there's a disconnect between our dream and our daily life. Uh, you know, and that's something you have to work on. Uh, that's something you have to work on. If your dream is to, you know, to be a missionary, is to be a business person, are you reading stories of business people? 
you know, something like that. Do you find time to read books, you know, about businessmen, businesswomen, people who have, you know, started businesses, people who have done this? Are you doing that? Are you reading, if you're calling to ministry, are you reading about that? Are you studying about that? Are you learning about that? If your dream is to be a writer, are you reading books at all? I mean, I mean, you don't read a book and you just say, oh, I'm working at, uh, you know, I'm, I'm doing this job, I'm, I'm doing... No, 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 no. You can always find time to work on your dream. So what you should do is don't forget your dream. Keep it. Do your daily chores, whatever you need to do to survive now, because Joseph did all that, right? He did all that. But I believe Joseph continued to work on his gifts, Right? As you see that he was, he was growing in his gift. I believe Joseph continued to work on his leadership because he knew he was born to be a leader. Joseph was continued to work in his understanding of economics. I think I shared that understanding of how things work because he knew that was his dream. Now, he found himself in Potiphar's. He found himself in prison. He was doing odd jobs, just like so you might be doing odd jobs now. You might just be struggling don't just be lost in it, all right? Don't just be lost in it. Now, as you do that, begin to wait for moments, opportunities, because God is the one that put the dream there. God will create your own moment, the Joseph moment when he was before the king. Don't forget, (laughs) he was prepared. Did you get that? He wasn't saying, um, um, oh, I haven't really prayed in a long time. I haven't really. Oh, I, I, King, we need to do 40 days of fasting before we can really be able to interpret this dream. No, he was ready. Sometimes, many of us, we are planning, but we are not prepared. All right? Prepare. You prepare by working daily. So that when your day of visitation comes, right, you're ready. You have the words. You have the attention. You can stand. You can do that. And because God will set you up. Look at how God set David up. David was set up. David wasn't even supposed to be there. Right? He wasn't supposed to be at the battle. He was sent to give his brothers food. Right? And he looked around and he saw, I mean, there's Goliath taunting everybody. And they're like, what is this? You know, they said, oh, this is a giant. And David said, I can deal with him. They're like, what are you talking about? But David was prepared. He recognized at that point, I think this is the moment that I've been waiting for. I think this is my moment. I think I can kill this Goliath. But David is already trained as a slinger. If you read the story of slingers, It takes a lot of practice, you know, to be that precise at slinging 300 feet away and hit your target, right? David has been doing all that. He's he's been working on his faith because he was up on his game. The key is, are you preparing yourself so that when God brings the opportunity, you can be ready? And I pray that you will be in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, get ready for my dream university. Amen, All yes. Right? And, uh, you know, it will be a coaching session that we can deal with. This. Yes. I think we need a dream university. I think we need a Here Comes the Dream, a book. I uh, think we need a, a lot of things. But right. wouldn't you like a book? All right. Right? Okay. 